morning, friends. It's great to worship with you this, this morning as we begin the season of Advent. Friends, this is a season of holy waiting. Uh, the, the word Advent comes from the Latin word adventus, which means a coming. Um, and uh, I like to think of Advent the way I heard one scholar describe it as Advent is a time of where we await a threefold coming of Christ. We await for Christ to come in history, in mystery, and majesty. So in history, we await uh, what we lean most heavily on, I would say, in the church in Advent. We await the coming of, of baby Jesus to be born in first century Palestine and Bethlehem um, in, in a little manger, no room in the inn. Uh, we await for Christ to come in mystery, how the Christ child comes into each of our hearts throughout our own Christian journeys. But we also await for Christ to come again in majesty, for Christ's return and God's kingdom to culminate on, uh, on earth as well as in heaven. On the first Sunday of Advent, our themes and our readings always lean heavily on that last coming of Jesus coming in majesty. Friends, I invite you to listen now with open hearts and minds as we encounter God's word together from the 13th chapter of Mark's gospel, beginning with the 24th verse. But in those days after that suffering, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light. And the stars will be falling from heaven, and the powers in the heavens will be shaken. Then they will see the Son of Man coming in clouds with great power and glory. Then he will send out the angels and gather his elect from the four winds, from the ends of the earth to the ends of heaven. From the fig tree, learn its lesson. As soon as its branch becomes tender and puts forth its leaves, you know that summer is near. So also when you see these things taking place, you know that he is near at the very gates. Truly, I tell you, this generation will not pass away until all these things have taken place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. But about that day or hour, no one knows, neither the angels in heaven nor the Son, but only the Father. Beware. Keep alert, for you do not know when the time will come. It's like a man going on a journey when he leaves home and puts his servants in charge, each with his work, and commands the doorkeeper to be on watch. Therefore, keep awake, for you do not know when the master of the house will come, in the evening, or at midnight, or at cockcrow, or at dawn. Or else he may find you asleep when he comes suddenly. And what I say to you, I say to all, keep awake. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, friends, as they say, or as the the beloved song says, it's the most wonderful time of the year, isn't it? We are well into the... um, We're now beginning the Advent season in the church, but it's kind of the secular Christmas season all around us. We have all of our our favorite uh, traditions in our own households as well as our community. I know many of us enjoyed the parade uh, here on the front steps of the church on Friday. My family enjoyed the Nutcracker performance at the high school yesterday, and we went and got our Christmas tree at the Oakshade Farm. You know, all of the favorite Christmas traditions we enjoy 
doing. Uh, and of course, we have the Christmas play here at church tonight, which should be a wonderful, wonderful time. So while it's a joyful, wonderful time of year, I'd be remiss if I didn't also admit that it was that it's also a busy time of year, right? It can be a stressful time of year, an overwhelming time of year. Many of our schedules are just jam-packed with event after event after event, parties to plan, things to organize, our to-do lists keep growing, our shopping lists keep growing. Many of us are facing big end-of-year deadlines in our workplaces. And church isn't immune to this. If you look on our bulletin, you see the many wonderful events that we're doing throughout this season as well. We are so busy that we go from being, as we Presbyterians like to call ourselves, the frozen chosen, to now being the defrosted exhausted. (laughs) I wish I could say I made that up. But we come to church today, equal parts excited and overwhelmed, and we hear our Bible reading, and we're greeted not by sweet eight-pound, five-ounce little baby Jesus in a manger, but fully grown Jesus telling us to keep awake. It's a little jarring, isn't it? Our reading today um, is known lovingly by scholars as Mark's Little Apocalypse, as if that that gives a little sugar coating to it. Um, This is at the very end of Mark's gospel. In fact, it's it's Jesus' last teaching before his arrest in the next chapter. And in this little apocalypse, we see social, political, geological, and cosmological chaos. Wars, violence. It's a lot, isn't it? There's war and rumors of war. There's social and political chaos being described. The sun and moon will lose their light. What is going on here? Now, As scary as some of these images sound, I want to clarify it with something. When Mark writes his gospel some two generations after Jesus' death and resurrection, some of this stuff is already happening. Scholars debate a little bit on the geological stuff, but we know that there was war and violence and division happening in this time in Mark's community. This is either right in the midst of or at the very end of a war where Rome just decimates the city of Jerusalem, culminating in the destruction of the temple. It's a time of upheaval. It's a time of dispersion. And in the midst of all this, Mark's community, two generations after Jesus, fully expected that Christ would have returned by now. Mark, as he writes his gospel, is concerned. He's worried that his community is losing their patience, but also getting discouraged. They're losing their hope. And this discouragement is making them a little drowsy. Maybe not physically, but spiritually drowsy. As in they're no longer paying attention. They're no longer waiting and watching and expecting that God can break into their world to redeem its brokenness, to bring healing and hope and peace. Mark is worried that their discouragement will lead to apathy, 
and if it leads to apathy, will they even notice if and when Christ returns? Now, we have a pretty different understanding of the return of Christ in the church today, friends, but I think we understand a little bit of the discouragement that Mark uh, is concerned with here with this community. We face violence and war and division near and far uh, throughout creation. Every time we turn on the news, we see the horrors in Israel and Gaza and Ukraine, and we get discouraged. We look out our, our, throughout our neighborhood, throughout our community, and we see division, we see hatred, and we get discouraged. Many of us are also mourning the, the decline of the church's place in the community and in the culture. All these things can get us a little discouraged over time. And like Mark's community can keep us from paying attention, from remaining hopeful for what God can and God will do in the world around us. We may not be physically asleep, but spiritually, we're losing hope. We're getting a little drowsy. Now, friends, as scary as the imagery in our text sounds, believe it or not, Mark hopes that this that this last teaching of Jesus will actually bring some life and energy and hopefulness into his community. He, he has a deep and abiding hope that this final teaching from Jesus will wake up his community to keep them alert, to make them watch and wait for God to break into our world yet again. This is a beautiful tie-in with our first reading today, which contains one of my favorite images in all of Scripture. And it turns out to be one of Mark's favorite, too. In our first reading that Molly read for us today, we heard from the prophet Isaiah and his plea, Oh God, that you would tear open the heavens and come down. So he said this is one of my favorite images in scripture, and it follows this biblical thought that there's a boundary between heaven and earth. And it's, it's set there from the very story of creation in Genesis 1. When you think back, when God separates the waters below, the seas, rivers, lakes, and so on, from the waters above, the heavens, the sky, this creates a firmament but unfortunately, it becomes understood as a boundary or a barrier, something that separates the divine and human spheres of life. And as such, the prophet pleads in the midst of a difficult moment for God to tear through this boundary, to tear through the heavens, to come down and draw close to the people, to bring healing and hope. To be fair, to be clear, rather, Isaiah's words are a lament. They're a lament, but like every biblical lament, it comes from a, a place of deep and abiding hope. Hope that God can and God will intervene in human history to bring healing, to bring redemption, to bring peace, and to bring justice. I told you earlier, this is one of Mark's favorite images too, right? That's because in Mark's gospel, Jesus is this boundary breaker. I think the very first story in Mark's gospel is Jesus' baptism. And what happens in Jesus' baptism? 
Now, the heavens don't just merely open. Mark tells us they are torn open. They are ripped open. And what happens then? God's spirit descends like a dove on Christ. And we hear the divine voice from above. This is my son, my beloved, with whom I am well pleased. We get the same uh, words from the divine and the heavens being torn open as Jesus is transfigured on the mount beside Moses and Elijah. But this image continues to the very end. As Jesus dies on the cross, Mark tells us that the curtain of the temple, the very thing that separates the holy of holies, where uh, people then believe God's presence to reside, the curtain separating that from the rest of the temple where everyone else could go, that curtain is torn in two. In Christ, God has torn through the heavens and drawn near to us to bring healing, to bring hope, to bring peace, and to bring justice. So bring all that to our reading today. Mark's Jesus tells his disciples to wake up, to pay attention, to revive your hope, because God's about to tear through the heavens yet again and draw near to us. Now, friends, as I said, we're not physically asleep, neither were Mark's folks physically asleep, but spiritually so, or at least our hope is asleep. It's hibernating. Or perhaps if our hope is asleep, something we might do to wake up is to dream. To dream for what God can and what God will do to tear through the heavens and redeem our broken world. Now, as um, I believe you heard in our announcements today, I'm doing an Advent class um, called Create Your Own Advent Playlist, where we're going to listen to a lot of music, a lot of different genres, uh, particularly some secular pop and rock music, um, at least that's what we're doing today, to see what Advent themes come out of these songs and what they can teach us about the season of Advent. I thought I would give you just a little taste of this class uh, in the sermon today, and I I will next week as well. I want to take you to the the time of June 1968. This is just after the tragic assassination of Bobby Kennedy, and only a couple months removed from the tragic assassination of Martin Luther King Jr., some of you were alive during this time and might remember our nation was just in utter turmoil. There were riots, there's anger, there's fear. But there is also a deep shared discouragement. Hope was waning quick. Hope that all of the progress made during the civil rights movement, what would be next for that? What was next? Hope was waning. In the midst of all this, the king of rock and roll, Elvis Presley, was planning a comeback special. He was planning and and in the midst of recording the special that would air months later around Christmas time. He was asked by by the production company and his manager to do a new version of I'll Be Home for Christmas. But instead he worked with a songwriter named Walter Earl Brown, 
who wrote a song that was inspired by Martin Luther King Jr.'s I Have a Dream speech. He wanted to write a song that spoke to this cultural moment of discouragement, but also to instill some hope, to instill some solidarity in the community and the world at this time. The result is a very profound song, If I Can Dream. If you've seen the recent biopic of Elvis, they, they have a very good depiction of this, of, of this taking place. I want to share just a couple verses of this song that I believe speak deeply to this kind of awakening of our Advent hope in the midst of tragedy and discouragement. The song begins in a spirit of lament, very much sharing, I believe, the, the, the spirit of lament Isaiah shares in, in our first reading, a, a lament that's rooted in hope. The song begins with these words, friends. There must be lights burning brighter somewhere. Got to be birds flying higher in a sky more blue. If I can dream of a better land where all my brothers walk hand in hand, tell me why, oh why, oh why, can't my dream come true? So the song starts with the spirit of lament that's rooted in hope. But listen where it turns by the very end. In the final verses, lament turns towards a deep and abiding trust and confidence and hope. Hear these words, friends. Deep in my heart, there's a trembling question. Still, I am sure that the answer's going to come somehow. Out there in the dark, there's a beckoning candle. And while I can think, while I can talk, while I can stand, while I can walk, while I can dream, please let my dream come true right now. Friends, as of just a few days ago, I never thought I would say this, but Elvis Presley embodies the spirit of Advent hope. Because, friends, if we can dream, we can hope. If we can hope, we can wake up. If we can wake up, we can watch and wait for God to tear through the heavens yet again and come near to us and bring healing and peace and redemption to our broken world. Friends, Advent is a time for us to let our hope awaken once again. Even in the midst of, of violence and division and hatred, we can trust that God has, that God is, and that God will continue to tear through the heavens to draw near to us in Christ. Friends, as we begin our Advent journey, may we dream and may we hope. May we watch and wait for God to tear through the heavens yet again. And as we watch and wait, may we also work to participate in what God is up to in redeeming our hurting and scared world. Friends, may our dream and God's dream come true. Amen. Amen.